You're listening to the Van Moody Podcast. Our passion is transforming the world by transforming lives. In today's episode, we'll take a look at why praying first is the best choice we can make throughout all of life's circumstances and challenges. Good morning. It is a joy to see you this morning, and I'm so excited as we go further into this powerful series, Pray First. We are in the midst of 21 days of prayer and feasting, and we say prayer and feasting because instead of fasting from food, we've asked for you to fast something else in order to spend more time with God. And man, the Lord is moving in an absolutely tremendous way. And we were blessed on last week by uh, Pastor Tim all the way from uh, Planet Shakers in Australia. And every morning, Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. and on Saturdays at 9 a.m., we are gathering at all of our churches, all of our campuses, and even online to pray. And I want to invite you, if you haven't already, uh, to just join us. And those of you that have been coming, you know the power of prayer and what God is doing, not only in your life, but, but in, in the midst of this corporate body. And so I'm excited on this morning to share with you uh, the next installment in this series, Pray First. And uh, it comes directly from Hebrews chapter 9 and verse number 1. And right where you are, right where you are, I want to ask you to just take a moment and let's just go to the Lord and seek God uh, as we open up his word. Father, I love you so very much and I thank you with everything that I have for who you are and, and God, just what we have in you and for what you're doing in the midst of all of us as we take this time to really seek you and lean into you through prayer and fasting of other aspects of our lives. And so, Lord, I pray now that you would open our hearts and minds and that you would speak to us, Lord, as only you can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want you to take out your message notes because today I want to share with you uh, a very near and dear prayer format that, that's uh, close to me. It's one of the ones that I use and it's one of the formats of prayer that I really believe will revolutionize your time with the Lord. And uh, I've been sharing with you for the last several days to go out and download our, our prayer guide and I've shared with you our prayer focus. And I've told you that uh, I was going to be teaching from this Pray First Prayer God uh, during parts of this series. And I'm going to do that on today because on today we're going to be talking about uh, tabernacle prayer, the tabernacle prayer format. And so you can follow along with me in your message notes. If you have your prayer God, you can also uh, follow along with us. But I want you to look first at Hebrews chapter 9 and verse number 1 because it says, Now the first covenant had regulations for worship, and also an earthly sanctuary, a tabernacle, was set up. In its first room were the lampstand, some translations say the golden candlestick, and the table with this consecrated bread, this was called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a room called the most holy place, which had the golden altar of incense and the uh, gold-covered ark of the covenant. And this ark contained the gold jar of manna and Aaron's staff that had budded in the stone tablets of the covenant. Above the ark were the cherubim of the glory, overshadowing the atonement cover. But we cannot discuss these things in detail now. When everything had been arranged like this, the priests entered regularly into the outer room to carry on their ministry. But only the high priest entered the inner room. 
and that only once a year, and never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins the people had committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit was showing by this that the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed as long as the first tabernacle was still functioning. Here's the key to everything that God wants to share with us this morning. This is an illustration for the present time. This is an illustration for the present time. Now, without a doubt, the most important component of any relationship is communication. Marriage and family therapists, psychologists, and a host of others in a number of fields that speak to all manner of relationships. They all agree that when communication in any relationship breaks down, that relationship will suffer. There have been books too numerous to count that have been written on this subject, whether it's the Venus and Mars series, whether it's the uh, Love Languages series, and so many others that have been written. They all teach that one of the most important aspects of any relationship is communication. And where there is not consistent and intentional communication, that relationship is bound to suffer and have often unnecessary struggles. Now, I, I share this with you because as it is in the natural, so it is in the spirit. Just as communication is important in your natural relationships, so communication is extremely important in our spiritual relationship with our Father. As a matter of fact, the lifeblood, the lifeline of our relationship with God is prayer. This is why Jesus' earthly ministry was marked with consistent and intentional prayer. Often he would pull away. Often he would send the disciples away and he would go into a, 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 an isolated place uh, because prayer was the hallmark of his ministry. He maintained that, that connection and that lifeline between him and the Father. When you study the ministry of Jesus, what you see is that consistently and intentionally he always communicated with the Father through prayer. And just as it was for him, so it should also be for us. And in your message notes, I, I put a quote from uh, one of the, the great uh, church historians and leaders of the early 1900s, a man by the name of Samuel Chadwick. And here's what he said. He said this, Satan dreads nothing but prayer. His one concern is to keep the saints from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, or prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil and he mocks our wisdom, but he trembles when we pray. This is part of the reason why for, for a number of people, and, and even myself, and I shared a little bit of this on Wednesday night, it's kind of felt like from the moment that we set aside these 21 days to lean into God and to pray, it feels a little bit like all kinds of things have been happening and going uh, kind of crazy and haywire. And it's because uh, we, were, we, we were okay with the enemy until we began to pray. 
And a part of the, the contention that, that you've been feeling, and that even I felt in some regard, is because we're getting ready to break through something because the enemy trembles. He is petrified when the people of God begin to pray. And I want you to understand how critical this time of prayer is, and not just over the next 21 days, but throughout uh, the rest of your time with the Lord because the next thing that God is going to do, this next level of breakthrough, even some of you have a great sense that you're on the very precipice of something, but I need you to understand that it is only going to come through prayer. So many individuals have been texting me and emailing me and telling me about uh, where they are and what they're going through and, and expressing stress. And, and my wife and I have been interceding for a number of people. And every time I go to God on their behalf, every time I intercede for their situation, the Holy Spirit keeps saying, but this is only going to come through prayer. This breakthrough is only going to come through prayer. Even when there are things that come that are frustrating, God keeps saying, take it to me in prayer because this level of breakthrough and where we're pressing in, where you're pressing in for your family and even for the things that you're believing God for is only going to come through prayer. But often, instead of us praying more, often what many people do is we pray less because we often have never really been taught how to pray. And one of the most fascinating things in the Gospels is that the only thing the disciples ever asked Jesus to teach them to do is pray. Now, he does. He does by virtue of just who he is and, and his discipling them and his instructing them and by virtue of them just doing life with him. Obviously, he teaches them a number of things. But the only thing in Scripture that they actually stop Jesus and ask, Lord, please teach us this, is prayer. Because uh, they grew up in a Jewish tradition, in a Jewish religion. So, so they, they knew the importance of prayer, but they saw how he was praying and they recognized that, you know what, nobody ever taught us how to do it like that. And that's, that's a little bit of my testimony. I, I grew up in church and heard great messages about salvation and great messages about the God of the breakthrough. But, but, but early on in my walk with Christ, no one ever sat me down and just walked me through how I am supposed to pray. I, I knew the Lord's prayer. I knew how to recite it. But no one ever just walked me through, this is how you come before the Lord. And this is why what I'm going to teach you today is so significant. Because what I really believe is that God wants to bring, bring breakthrough. But there are three steps to breakthrough. Uh, and I put this in your notes for a reason. Because some of you are here this morning and you sense it with every fiber of your being. You've been praying for it. You've been waiting on it. But there are three steps to break through. Number one, it's desire. Desire. This is what the disciples had when they said, Lord, Lord, teach us how to pray. We want that kind of power. We want to experience God like that. And so it starts with desire. But then secondly, and this is where we're going to really spend the majority of our time today, the second thing after desire is that it requires discipline. You've got to not only want it, but you've got to be willing to do what's necessary in order to attain it. That's where discipline comes in. And then after desire and discipline, the third step to breakthrough is that ultimately it becomes a delight. For many of you, the habits of spending time with God first, praying first, over this next 21 days, it's going to become a delight and it's going to become a hallmark of your life. That's when things really begin to happen. This is why 
I want to teach you today that the most important, I really believe, one of the most important uh, formats to, to have time with God and to pray, it's revolutionized my time. It's, it's the format that I use more often than anything else. And it's based on the tabernacle. The tabernacle in the Old Testament was the dwelling place of God. And, and what would happen is that the people, the nation of Israel, and the priests would literally go through uh, the seven stations or the seven pieces of furniture in the tabernacle because that was their approach. That was the protocol that God established in how the people and the priests were supposed to approach him. Now what you must understand, and Hebrews teaches us this, but it's all through scripture. The tabernacle was just an Old Testament picture of Jesus Christ. Some of you that have been around our ministry for some time may remember several years ago I did a whole series of teaching on the tabernacle and we had the different pieces of furniture on the stage. But, but for the sake of our time today, here's what you need to know. The tabernacle it was just an Old Testament picture of, of Jesus Christ. This is why even in John 1 when, when it says that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God and it goes on to say and we, we beheld this glory full of grace and truth from the Father. It, it tells us that the Word was made flesh and dwelled. That word dwell there in the Greek is tabernacled because the tabernacle in the Old Testament was just an Old Testament picture of Jesus Christ. God dwelled with the people in the Old Testament through the tabernacle. God dwells in our midst through Jesus Christ. This is why after God gave Moses the instructions of how the tabernacle was supposed to be erected, Moses gave those instructions to, 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 to two men, and it took them nine months to erect the tabernacle, just like it took Jesus nine months to be fully formed and birthed in the womb of Mary. It's a picture of the divine and the human coming together. You see it? When God gives divine instruction, then these two individuals lead the construction of the tabernacle. It's the divine and the human. You see it? In, in the birth of Jesus, in him being formed by the Holy Spirit in the womb of a virgin Mary. It's the picture of the divine and the human. He is both divine and human, and he's birthed, and he dwells among us. So, so the tabernacle is just an Old Testament picture of Jesus. But the most important thing I want you to understand is that Hebrews says that the whole notion of the tabernacle and all of the pieces and furnishings was just an illustration. It was just a picture. It was just a format for how we ought to approach God. I, I want you to understand that, that yes, we have access to the Father. Praise God. Yes, we can boldly go to, to the throne. Yes. But all through Scripture, there is a process. There is a protocol by which we approach the Father. And it's the same when you approach God for prayer. That's what I want you to understand. And so the tabernacle prayer is based on what we do and how we do it when we want to approach God uh, in praise, worship, communion, and most importantly for today, prayer. So let's walk through it. The first step is the outer court. First step is the outer court. And, and next to the outer court in your message notes, the outer court represents thanksgiving and praise. The outer court represents thanksgiving and praise. And so as the nation of Israel, as the people would come and enter into the tabernacle, they came with thanksgiving on their lips. 
They, they came giving God thanks and giving him praise. And that's how we should enter into our time with the Lord in prayer. And that's also how we ought to enter into our time with God when we come to worship. Many people say, I'm going to worship, but they leave never having worshiped at all because they think that worship is, let me just let people perform for me. But no, when you come into the presence of a king, the first thing that you ought to do is come with thanksgiving on your lips. This is why Psalm 100 and verse 4 says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and enter into his courts with praise. Give him thanks and praise his name. So what this looks like in your prayer time is, is the first thing that you do, it's the first thing that I do, the first thing that I do is I think of, of a fresh reason why, why I want to communicate to God that I love him and I appreciate him. And so every time that I get up, when I get up at 5 a.m. and when I have my time with the Lord, the first thing that comes out of my mouth are words of appreciation and thanks and gratitude. And I try to think of a fresh, brand new reason every single day that I can thank God. And so I, I go to God, and God, I just want to thank you this morning for just letting me be alive. And I want to thank you for just allowing me to see a brand new day and to see my children. And God, I want to thank you for breath. And I, want to, I, I just try to think every single day of something fresh that I can thank him for. So that, that is, that's the, the, the outer court, uh, which, which is thanksgiving and praise. But then they would come to the first piece of furniture in the outer court, which is number two, the brazen altar. The brazen altar. And the brazen altar represents the cross of Jesus Christ. Once they came into the outer court, the first piece of furniture that they would come to was the brazen altar. And what they would do is they would bring their animals that they wanted to sacrifice uh, to be uh, an atonement for their sins. They would bring those animals, the turtle doves and, and the lambs and the goats and, and the bullocks. They would bring all of that to the brazen altar. They would bring all of their animals for sacrifice, and it would happen at the brazen altar. Now, this represents the cross of Jesus Christ because when Jesus went to the cross for you and I, that once and for all settled the sin issue. He was the one sacrifice that we needed to make sure that our sins were, were forgiven and pardoned and covered under the blood of Jesus. So we no longer need additional lambs and bullocks and goats. And so the brazen altar represents the cross of Jesus. So the, the, the penalty and the punishment and what Jesus did on the cross, it happened 2,000 years ago. He paid the price for sin once and for all. All we have to do as believers is we've got to receive the benefits. This is why the Bible says that we are saved by grace through faith. You've just got to believe and receive what Jesus did for you on the cross. And so at this point in your time of prayer, this is when you begin to thank God for the benefits of the cross. Uh, I, love, I love Psalm 103. This is, for me, one of the best scriptures that communicates what I call the five-fold benefits of the cross. There are five benefits of the cross. Now, there's a lot more, but I love how Psalms 103 communicates at least essentially uh, what I call the top five benefits of the cross. It says, praise the Lord my soul and forget not all his benefits. There it is. 
who forgives, and I underline these in your message notes. Notice this, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you, number four, with love and compassion and who satisfies, number five, your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. So, so at this point, after I've thought about fresh reasons to say, God, I just want to thank you, now I move into thanking him and, and telling him much, how much I appreciate the cross of Jesus. And so I just start going down those five things. And I start with salvation. I want to say, God, I just I thank you for, for forgiving me of all of my sins. I, I just, God, want to thank you because from eternity past, from, from the moment that Jesus went to the cross, all the way through my present, all the way into my future, that there's, there's a plumb line of the blood of Jesus that covers every one of my sins, past, present, and future. God, I just want to thank you for salvation. Then I also move into the next thing, healing. God, I just want to thank you for, for healing all of my diseases. God, I thank you that, that that sickness has no place in my body. God, I thank you. And you know what else I do? If there's something going on in me at that particular moment, if my knee's hurting or if I have some other issues, I just start thanking him for the healing that I know belongs to me for those things. God, I just want to thank you. My knee's in pain, but I thank you for the healing that belongs to me by virtue of what Jesus accomplished for me on the cross. Then I move from salvation and healing to the very next thing, which is redemption. And that means that God rescues me from every attack. Oh, this is so good. Because in the Bible, particularly in the Old Testament, the word, uh, when the Bible translates uh, the attack of the enemy, that word literally uh, means it's a picture that denotes the enemy digging a hole for you. So when Psalm 103 says that, that he redeems your life from the pit, it means then that because of the shed blood of Jesus, even when the enemy got in your way and tried to dig a pit for you to fall into, because of who we are as believers, God always will pull us up out of the pit. Even when Joseph's brothers threw him in the pit and left him for dead, God used that pit as a promotion process to get him to be the prince of Egypt. That's what God is saying, uh, and that's what belongs to us as believers. So then I go, I go from salvation to healing to redemption, and I just start thanking him. Lord, I just want to thank you for rescuing me from every attack. I thank you because every assignment, every, every trick and trap of the enemy has been canceled off of my life. That's when I then I start pulling scriptures about that. God, I thank you that no weapon formed against me shall prosper and and every, every lie shall be utterly condemned. God, I thank you because when the enemy comes in like a, like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. You know, so I really at that point begin to thank him for the redemption that belongs to us. And let me say this while I feel this in the Holy Spirit. When you begin to do this, not only will your prayer time change, and I'm talking about the power of God, will, will fall. Not only will you have greater prayer and greater intimacy with the Lord, but guess what? God is also going to begin to do a work in you. Because when you begin to daily thank God and stand in what you have as a believer, your outlook begins to change. And so, so you, you thank Him for salvation and healing and redemption. But then I move to transformation. That's the fourth thing. God, I want to thank you because God puts his love in us. That's what Psalms 103 says. And crowns you with love and compassion. That's transformation. 
It means that God is doing a work in us. And that's when I say, God, I just want to thank you for, for, for changing me, for doing the work on the inside of me. I thank you, Lord, that you're taking out a stony heart and putting them in your heart. That, that's when I just begin to pray and, and thank him. And then after transformation, meaning God puts his love in me. The last, the fifth benefit of the cross of Jesus is provision. Provision, meaning God provides everything that you and I will ever need. And so I say, God, I now want to thank you for the provision that belongs to me. I, I thank you, Lord, because you have promised to be my provider. I thank you, Lord, because in the past, whenever I've had a need, you always provided. And so in that moment, I take a time in my prayer before I start laying out my request. I first of all come in with thanksgiving and with praise, and then I start thanking him for the cross and all of the benefits of the cross. And then the third piece of furniture, after they would come into the outer court, after they would go to the brazen altar, the next thing that they would go to is the laver. And then you know it's right, the laver. And the laver, the laver represents cleansing and preparing. The laver represents cleansing and preparing. The next piece of furniture was this laver. And the laver was really just a big bowl. And it had water in it. And so after the priest and stuff would put the animals on the altar and slaughter uh, the, the animals, it was a bloody, messy kind of thing. So then the, the, the priest uh, would go to the laver and they would wash themselves. So this is the place in, in your time of prayer. Notice it's a procession. Notice it's a protocol. This is the time where you really begin to ask God to cleanse your heart, to cleanse your mind, and to cleanse your motives. This is the place in your time of prayer where you begin to repent. And, and this is really what Romans 12 and 1 is talking about. Notice what Romans 12 and 1, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord. Notice what Paul says. In light of all of the things that Jesus did for us on the cross, in light of those five benefits that we've just gone over, in light of everything that we have by virtue of the shed blood of Jesus, he says the next thing, Paul was really just teaching about the progression through the tabernacle. He says the next thing that we got to do is we got to go to the labor. We, we, we've got to wash ourselves. We got to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. So this is where, in, in, in my time of prayer, this is where you begin to repent of all your sins. Father, I just want to ask that you forgive me for, for, for the sins that I know that I committed. Amen. And even the stuff that I didn't mean to do, things that I didn't know I was doing that wasn't right in his eyes. This is where you, you begin to start there and, and repent and lay that stuff out. And then after you spend time going through that and, Lord, search my heart and, oh, you know, maybe I, I, I said that yesterday from the wrong place or maybe, maybe, oh, you know what, I didn't handle that the right way. After you do that, then you offer your body to the Lord. Offer your whole body to the Lord. And, and what I love to do is I go through it, and I put this in your message notes. Offer your tongue. Offer your tongue to the Lord. I say, Lord, I give you my tongue today. I, I want to make sure that everything that comes out of my mouth, that I speak good and not evil. And, and beside each of these, because I can't give you all of the scriptures, but beside each one of these, I want you to pay attention to the scripture references that I put on your notes. Why? Because things like Ephesians 4 and 29 is important. When it says, let nothing unwholesome come out of your mouth except that which is useful for the, for the building up of the body, the edification of the kingdom. So I say, Lord, I just give you my tongue. 
I want to today make sure, God, that I speak good and not evil. Then I move on to the next thing. Lord, I give you my eyes. Lord, I want to be able, I want to, be able to see you. And I want to be able to recognize you and the needs of others. Where does that come from? The, the servant of the man of God, Elisha, comes out that morning. He's panicking. And what does the man of God pray? He says, Lord, open his eyes. You can be going through life just trying to get it done and not even recognize God. The disciple said, well, Jesus, when did we see you hungry? And when did, when did, we, when did we not feed you? And when were you in prison? We, we, you, were not, you were not there. And he says, no, but what you've done unto the least of them, you've done also unto me. So I, I, I pray, Lord, Lord, I give you my eyes. Let me see you. you I, I may think that it's a situation that's just stressful and messed up, but let me see you in that situation. Let, let, me, let me discern what you're doing. Lord, I, I don't want to just walk past a homeless person that I may run past today. Lord, let me see you in them. So I give him my, my tongue, my eyes. Then I go on to my ears. Lord, Lord, I, I, want, I want to be sensitive to hear your voice. I, I, I want God to make sure whether or not you're speaking loudly like you did when you thundered from the mountain of Sinai or even if you're speaking in a whisper in a still small voice like you did with Elijah Lord I give you my ears I want to make sure that I hear you then I move on God I give you my hands I want to make sure that, that I do good to others I want to make sure Lord that I serve you 2 Corinthians 5 and 20 says that, that we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though he were making his appeal through us meaning God what I do will determine whether or not people even encounter you this is why i'm always asking you get involved don't just come to this great church and soak up all of this word and worship and not do anything with it god's got gifts and talents on the inside of you you are needed on the dream team and you're needed more on the dream team then we need you you need to be on the dream team because god needs your hands he wants your hands so i, I say god take my hands and god take take my feet I give God my feet. I want to walk in your ways. Why? Because we know what the word of God says. Blessed is the man, Psalm 1, who walked not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, or seated in the seat of mockers. But his delight is on the law of the Lord, and on it does he meditate both day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that, that bring forth his fruit in season. And I say, God, I want to give you my feet. Lord, order my steps. I want to make sure that wherever I go today, that it's ordained of you. I give you my feet. Lead me where you want me to go. And I just go through all of them. My, my, my tongue, my eyes, my ears, my hand, my feet, my mind. God, I want to think the way that, that you, you've told me to think. God, give me the mind of Christ. Allow me to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I, I do all of that. Whatsoever is pure, whatsoever is holy, whatsoever is good whatsoever is just lord help me to think on those things sometimes man if my mind is jacked up i'll lay hands on my own mind and say lord fix my mind now after you go through all of that after you've given your whole body to the lord guess what you got to ask him to give you something and that's the fruit of the spirit that's galatians 5 and 22 Father, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, meekness, self-control. Father, give it to me. Give it to me. I want those to be the hallmarks of my life. And so you go from the outer court to the brazen altar, to the laver, where we're cleaned up, where we're presenting our heart and our motives to the Lord. And then the fourth furniture, piece of furniture, is now the candlestick. The candlestick. The candlestick 
represents the Holy Spirit. The next place of the next piece of furniture in the tabernacle was the golden lampstand. Some translations call it the golden candlestick. And that fire was supposed to uh, be kept burning night and day. And part of the responsibility of the priest was to always keep filling that candlestick with oil. It, it, was, it was one branch, and, and off of it, uh, there were six pieces. So it was seven total, and, that, and that's significant. And I'll, and I'll tell you about that in a second. But the, but the candlestick or the lampstand represents the Holy Spirit. That fire is never, should never go out. Just, just last week. Uh, the worship ministry was singing a song, Lord, 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 uh, make me a house of prayer and let the fire of your altar never burn out. The fire of the candlestick was never supposed to burn out, and it represents the Holy Spirit. Now, a lot of my Pentecostal friends, and we are a charismatic, non-denominational church, but a lot of my Pentecostal friends, they have obsessed over one moment, you know, be filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, and often they go as far as with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And I taught a whole series on that. So I'm not trying to um, go back and reteach that. But here's what I want you to understand. Um, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, the Bible is very clear that that shouldn't just be one moment. You shouldn't be able to go back and say, you know, in 1945, I received the baptism with the Holy Spirit. No, Ephesians 5, 18 says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled uh, instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that verb in the Greek is perpetual. The way that it literally reads uh, in the original language is be being filled. So it's not just one moment in history. It ought to be something that happens on a continuous process. So at this point in prayer, this is when I, 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 I talk to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill me today. Just like you filled the disciples on the day of Pentecost. Fall afresh on me. Fill me, fill me, fill me, Holy Spirit, fill me with you. I want more of you. I want, I want a deepening in my, my walk with you. I want a deeper, in my, I want a deeper uh, intimacy and communion with you. This is when I begin to, to talk to and commune with the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is where I begin to pray in my prayer language, right here. And then I also ask the Holy Spirit for several things. Um, I told you that that candlestick had seven branches. Why? Because in, in Isaiah 11 and 2, it teaches us about the, the seven, the, man, the seven uh, uh, spirits of God, the seven manifestations of God. We know that his Holy Spirit is his spirit. And so one of the things that I asked for, and it's right there from Isaiah 11 and 2, Holy Spirit, give, give me the spirit of the Lord. Please come into my heart, come into my life in a greater measure. I need the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, amen, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Holy Spirit, I need all of those things. Please give them to me, please. But then the other thing is that in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 1, it says, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. And I taught this when we were dealing with the whole series on the Holy Spirit. There are, there are nine particular uh, motivational gifts of the Spirit. There are actually three lists. There are more than nine gifts of the Spirit, but there's a particular category in, in 1 Corinthians 12. There's another category of different gifts of the Holy Spirit in Romans 12 and, and also in Ephesians. But, but, I, but I ask for, for those nine in 1 Corinthians 12. I say, okay, Holy Spirit... Uh, I, I pray that you would, you would give me a word of wisdom, word of knowledge, the discerning of spirits, uh, tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy. 
um, healing, faith, the working of miracles. Now, some of those I know that I already have. And when I know that I have them, I say, well, just, just fan the flames on those. Um, deepen my walk with you. I want, I, I want more uh, in my prayer language. I want, I want more by way of words of wisdom and words of knowledge. I want, I want to grow in, in my faith in you. And so once again, that's when I not only pray in my prayer language, but I focus my attention on the Holy Spirit and I commune with him. So that's the candlestick. The fifth piece is the table of showbread. The table of showbread represents the word of God. The table of showbread represents the word of God because there was this table in the inner court and uh, I have a diagram uh, for you uh, in your pray first guide. There's a diagram and you can see it. But after the candlestick, the priest would then move to the table of showbread, which represents the word of God. And on that table, there were 12 loaves of bread on it. And part of the responsibility of a certain group of priests was that they were always supposed to bake fresh bread. Because the bread was never supposed to go stale. This is a picture of our time studying the word of God. One of the things that Jesus tells the disciples and us that we ought to do in our prayer time through the Lord's prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Uh, he says another time that, that, that man shall not live on bread alone but by every word that proceedeth. Meaning you can't just live on stale bread. And so many of us do that because I say, well, when was the last time you, you got in the Word and, and, and read? Oh, well, you know, the last Sunday. How would, you, how would you feel, get this, how would you feel if you only ate one meal a day? Actually, one meal a week. Well, let me say it a better way. How would you feel if you only, only ate one time in a whole week and that was on Sunday? You talk about hungry. We would be hungry beyond measure. Well, we get that physically, but that's often what many of us do as it relates to our spiritual study of the Word. Often we only eat one meal a week, and that's Sunday morning when Pastor Van stands to share the Word. Well, in this portion of your prayer time, this is when you ought to do your soap devotion. So what I do at this moment, when I get to this point, that's when I pull out my Bible, and that's when I do my daily reading. And there are a couple of things that you ought to do in your daily reading. You ought to read... Uh, the, the daily, and it's not a lot of chapters, it's just a few chapters each day, but then you ought to, to pray that the Holy Spirit would give you fresh revelation, and then you ought to claim the promises. Anytime you read, uh, uh, stumble upon a promise, what God will do, you ought to claim it right then and there, and then the last thing you ought to do is get a word for today. Get, get a word that you're going to commit to memory, and, and you're going to just meditate on it all day. And I, I've taught in years past about how to do the soap devotion. There's a video out on our website that walks through in detail how to do it. SOAP is an acronym that stands for Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. We talk about how you journal. But I do all of that right there. This is that time. When, and it doesn't take long. It takes maybe 10 to 15 minutes or so. That's, that's when I do it right here in my time with the Lord. So I read the word, do my soap devotion, I claim a promise, I get a word for the day. This is the word that I'm going to be meditating on and chewing on all day. And so after the table of showbread, then you go to the sixth piece of furniture. We're almost done, I'm out of time. But, but it's the sixth piece of furniture, and that is the altar of incense. It's the altar of incense. And the altar of incense was, 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 this, was this altar, and it was right in front of the veil, right in front of, of, of the, the veil or the curtain that separated the holy of holies. And, and the veil was there, and the altar was right there in front because, because the altar of incense 
was, was always supposed to be burning and incense were, were going up to the Lord. And that was, that was one of the last pieces that was most important before the high priest could go through the veil. There had to be worship. The altar of incense represents worship. Now, here's the most important thing I want you to understand about the altar of incense. The altar of incense didn't have unique coals just for the altar of incense. Meaning, uh, they, the priests, would have to bring one of the coals from the brazen altar in to the holy place, put it in the altar of incense so that the incense would keep burning. And as the priest would, would go back and forth, they would have to bring a coal off of the brazen altar into the altar of incense. Why is that significant for us today, Pastor Van? Because many of us never worship because we want it to be done for us. When what we got to understand is, no, you ought to bring from that brazen altar a hot coal, meaning when you really fully say, God, I just want to thank you for the salvation that I have. When, when you go by that altar and you start thanking God for the cross and the fivefold benefits that you have by virtue of the cross, salvation and forgiveness and healing and redemption and, and, and deliverance, when you start there with just thanks, you can't help but to move into a place of worship. Because that coal from the brazen altar was brought in, was placed on the altar of incense, and worship would go up. This is the time in, in, in your time with the Lord, if you're following this tabernacle prayer, this is the time when you just begin to worship. This is the time when you just enjoy the presence and the glory of God, and you give him worship. You give him worship. And I wish I had more time because I love to run over to Hebrews and teach you that in the Bible there were three things that the word of God says comes up to him as incense. Uh, I wish I had time. I, I don't have time to go into it. Maybe we'll get on to that another time. But those three things are very, 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 very important. Prayer goes up before the Lord as incense. Praise and worship goes up before the Lord as incense. But then also giving. In Acts an angel shows up to Cornelius, who is not even a Jew. He's an outsider. And the angel says, your alms, your giving have come up before the Lord as a sweet-smelling savor. Incidentally, that's why when we give, we are worshiping. There are a lot of people who think that's the time that I can just kind of tip out and get to my car. No, that's the worst time to leave. Because giving is just as important as, as other worship that we're giving. But in this moment, in your time with the Lord, that's when you begin to worship him. And one of the things that I love to do is from Proverbs 18 and 10 that says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. That's when I just begin to praise God and worship him for who he is, for the names of God. That's when I just begin to adore him and say, God, I love you. Thank you for being Jehovah's sit canoe, God of my righteousness. I am righteous because of my relationship with you. Uh, God, I love you. And I, I just, I start worshiping his name. You are Jehovah M. Kadesh. You, you are the God that sanctifies. You are Jehovah Rapha. You are the God who heals. You are Jehovah Jireh. You are the Lord, my provider. You are Jehovah Nisi. You are God, my banner. You are Jehovah Shalom, God, my peace. You are Jehovah Ra'ah. You are God, my shepherd. You are Jehovah Shama. You are the God who was always there and so that's when I just give him extreme worship in that moment I'm just worshiping worshiping his name worshiping him for who he is for his for his for this majesty how, how how awesome God is and right after they finished 
at the altar of incense. Now the high priest can go beyond the veil. And we shout all the time that, that, yes, when Jesus was crucified, the veil in the temple was torn, meaning we can boldly go. Yes, you can, but wait a minute. There's a protocol. You don't just roll up on a king any kind of way. When I had an audience with the Pope years ago, they gave you a protocol. You don't just walk up into the Pope's apartment, say, hey, Pope, what's happening, man? How you doing? No, no, no. Because of who he is, there's a protocol. And that's what I want you to understand. Yes, we can go beyond the veil, but there's a protocol. And then, after the altar of incense, this is the seventh and final thing, that's when you go to the Ark of, of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant represents intercession. That's when you begin to present your request to the Lord. That's when you begin to talk to him about, about your stuff. And it's right here that I begin to intercede. And intercede means you work with God on behalf of somebody else. That's what intercession means. And it's right here. That's when I begin to pray for those that I'm submitted in authority to. That's when I pray for the apostolic elders of our church. I pray for them. I pray, I pray for uh, civil people in authority. I, I pray for the workplace. I pray for the elders of, of this great church. I pray God's blessing upon them. I pray for, for my family, those that I'm submitted to in my family, my mother and my father. I pray for them. I, then I move on and I pray for my own family. Then after I pray for my family, that's when I pray for, for the worship center. This is the time that, that, you know what, I pull out the pray first prayer focus, and I just start going through all of these things. That's when I do it. Then I, I pray for the city and the nation and the world. And then lastly, that's when I present all of my needs to the Lord. Lord, I, I, I really need some answers here. I need some wisdom here. God, I lift this situation up to you. Lord, as I work on the next book, please let your hand be on it. Let your anointing be on it. That's when I present my needs to the Lord. Why? Because I've gone through the tabernacle. Now, I've got an audience with the king. Just like Queen Esther had to prepare for 12 months. 12 is the number of order and government. You can't just roll up. No, God says, you can come to me, but come the right way. Listen, I pray that this message has blessed you as much as it's blessed me sharing it with you. If you take this to heart, and you know what? Just try it. Just try it. Just try it. Why don't you take the next seven days? Try it and watch what will happen if you follow this format. It'll, it'll, not only will it give you the format that you need to pray, but it'll light an excitement and a fire underneath you that will tremendously take your time with the Lord to the next place. We hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Van Moody. For more information about Van Moody Ministries, please visit vanmoody.org. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed week.